Um, this morning is going to be slightly different from, uh, from a normal Sunday and a normal message. Uh, really, this morning, uh, the message section of our meeting is going to be in two parts. Uh, the first part is I want to inspire you uh, to uh, pump the person next to you and to say, yes, I can't wait for prayer and fasting this week. So that's my aim. We'll see how I do. Um, but uh, that's the first part. And the second part, we're going to talk about the New City Catechism. And uh, we're going to give you a chance to download all the movies you ever wanted to as we open up our Wi-Fi. Okay, so, uh, so part one, prayer and fasting. Uh, this week, as you know, because uh, you've heard in the notices and it's been coming up, we as the elders have set aside two days for prayer and fasting. But I want to take a moment to clarify why. Why should we do that? You know, it's, it's common in churches to hear of people in January. Have you bumped into anyone who's doing a 21-day fast? I'm not doing a 21-day fast. I just bumped into someone who's doing a 21-day fast. But, you know, like uh, January, I think it's sometimes because people ate too much in December uh, or whatever, you know. But, but, but a lot of people tend to start the year with fasting. But I want us to understand why do we pray and why do we fast? And uh, one of the things that we call ourselves to in Rec Road Church is that we say of ourselves that we are God first and God reliant in this church. Just say God first and God reliant. That's who we are as a church. We've got five core purpose statements, and this is the first one because God is first. Hey, Mike Tabram. When, when we were organizing the list of what the order of these was, Mike was like, this one's going first. So we just said, yes, Mike. Okay. God is first and we are God reliant. What does that mean? Well, what we mean by saying that God is first is that God is first in our life. He is the priority of our life. And that means that God's will is of first priority to us. God is our priority. And, and when we say we're God-reliant, what we're really saying is we can't do life on our own. I don't know how clever you feel you are or how strong you are, but at some point in your life, you'll realize I can't do life on my own. And so we, we're not doing this negatively. We're doing this positively, saying we need God in our daily life. Just for everyday life, we need God. I, I love to Peter chapter 1 verse 3, which says that His divine power gives us everything we need for life and godliness. And so in this church, we're very happy to say God is first, Jesus is first, and we're a people who are reliant on God. And so if you take that thought and that phrase, I cannot think of a better way of connecting that thought or phrase with reality other than the practice of prayer. The practice of living a prayerful life as believers is the thing that puts this core purpose statement into action. It's not just nice words on a screen. Oh, I really like that picture. No, no, no. If you want to really believe this and put it into your life, then prayer and the practice of prayer really has to come up to the up to the front. Uh, Jesus taught us to pray when he said the following words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. He said, We'd, we ought to pray something like this. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. 
If you look at that verse, the, the first word, Lord, establishes some relationships here. It establishes what is our relationship with God. We heard today in worship through prophecy that we're not groveling in the ground and Jesus is not on the cross. He is King of kings and Lord of lords on his throne. And we are seated with him and yet he is Lord. He is King. That's what that word means. It means King. That's how we address Jesus. That's how we relate to him. We are his beloved subjects. We are children of the Most High God, but we are subjects of King Jesus. And uh, so when you put the word Lord in this verse, what we know is that we have come to serve God's purposes. He hasn't come to serve our purposes because Lord puts God first in our life. It's not how can God serve me, but God, how can I serve you? And that's what Jesus is really teaching us in this verse. He's teaching us to ask in prayer, Lord, King, what is your kingdom? I want your kingdom to come, not you establish my kingdom. And I want to know what your will is. I don't, the prayer is not me telling you what to do. You know, it's not like you are God's personal assistant and when you pray, you're giving him the to-do list for today. No, prayer is actually a totally different attitude. It's getting on our knees as beloved sons and daughters and saying, Jesus, Lord, King Jesus, what can I do for you today? It's a totally different way around. God first, not me first. John Piper said this, that prayer helps to keep us humble and helps us to be reliant on God. He says prayer is the open admission. It's, it's acknowledging. It's, it's saying this is true, that without Christ, we can do nothing. And so prayer is a turning away from trusting in myself and not having a confidence in myself, but rather putting our confidence that He will provide the help that we need. He closes by saying, prayer humbles us as needy and exalts God as the all-sufficient one. I hope you can see that by praying, we put into practice that we believe that God is first and that we need to be God-reliant. And so I want to really motivate you to pray this week, and I thought of a number of ways to motivate you to pray, I thought of nine ways to motivate you to pray. Firstly, if you like lists, here comes a list. One, we get to pray. We pray because we get to pray. We, we get to call God Father. We get to walk right into, you know, if you were in America, if you were Trump's son, you could just knock on the door and walk in to the Oval Office. Well, I don't want to go to the Oval Office, but I get to just walk straight in to the presence of the Father, the creator of the universe. Friends, pray because you get to pray, because Jesus paid with his own body so that you could have free access into the presence of God. Pray also because prayer is about a relationship. Prayer is not about a to-do list. Prayer is about communion with God. It's not always asking for something. If, if my kids only ever spoke to me, sometimes it feels like it, asking for money, 
then it would feel like there isn't much of a relationship, but I want to know what they long for, what they fear. I want to know what's happening in their head and heart, and I want to share my life with them. That's a relationship. Well, we pray because we get to. I'm always struck on my own is fairly short, but if I walk, I can pray much longer. So sometimes I'll go for a walk and talk, and I'm reminded of Adam and Eve in the garden because they used to walk and talk with God in the cool of the day. And so I want to encourage you, pray, because you can. You get to pray. Secondly, I urge you to pray because we want to model our lives on the life of Jesus. And Jesus had a life and a lifestyle of prayer. If you read the Gospels, you will see it everywhere. Jesus lived a lifestyle of prayer. He was in constant communion with the Father. He would withdraw from the crowds. He would withdraw from the disciples even so that he could be with the Father. Thirdly, I want to motivate you to pray because Scripture actually commands us to pray. There, there are a few places where we're commanded to pray, but Romans 12, 12 is one where we're told to devote ourselves to prayer. And I always use a Kaiser Chief supporter as my example of what devotion is. You can see a Kaiser Chief supporter because they devoted, huh? Hey, Mr. D. And so, so you should, it should be evident to yourself and to others, not like we're trying to be seen by others, but it should be evident that this person is devoted to prayer. You know whether or not you're devoted to prayer. If you only pray when you're looking for a parking space, you're probably not devoted for prayer. Okay? If you're praying constantly, if it's your lifestyle, it's your pattern. Fourthly, pray because Jesus, when he spoke about us, he spoke about his church, he said, my house shall be a house of prayer. So you might say, what does Jesus want for us together? He wants us to be a house of prayer. Fifthly, pray because if you read the New Testament, the pattern of the New Testament is that the people of God prayed. The church, individuals, the gathered church, they prayed. You can see all through the book of Acts that the pattern for the believers is prayer. Sixthly, pray because life is war. Not like a war, life literally is a war. If you've put your faith in Jesus, you just got a new enemy, and his name is Satan. And, and he's real. But he doesn't need to be feared because great is he who's in you than he that's in the world. But God has given you. You know, if you were going onto a battlefield, it'll probably be smaller than this, but they might give you a radio, a walkie-talkie, okay? So that you're out there in the battle, you can say, help! Or prayers like that, okay? Or where are the enemy? We're getting fire, but we can't see where the enemy is coming from. Prayer is like your communication in the midst of battle. Pray because life is war. And prayer is the connection to the power you need and the guidance you need. You wise and makes you humble. When we pray, we learn to fear the Lord. We, we get right-sized. We say, Lord, which means I'm not God. You are. And that's wise. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs says. So when we pray, we're humbling ourselves. I often pray, and I start like this, Lord, by praying, I'm telling you and I'm telling myself that I need you. 
That's posturing myself in the right place. I'm actually speaking to myself. God doesn't need to know that. But I'm speaking to myself. I'm humbling myself. And when we humble ourselves, we become wise. In prayer, we simultaneously humble ourselves and we connect ourselves to the source of power and help that we really need. So there's wisdom. Eighthly, we pray because the need out there and the need in our lives is immense. Would you agree? Just think of all the need in your life right now. Think of all the need in this community. Think of all the need in this nation, in the nations. It's overwhelming. The need is massive, and our resources are limited. So that's why we pray. When we pray, we release the adequacy of God, and we release ourselves from our own inadequacy. And lastly, we pray because when we pray, God acts. Amen? We've seen such incredible answers to prayer in this church. I want to urge you, get praying because when you pray, God works. You get on your knees and God is the one who opens doors. I so often pray, God, do what I can't do. Do what I can't do. I cannot move this heart. I love this fact. I don't need your permission. Maggie, I don't need your permission to pray for you. You might think there's someone in your life and you think, oh, I wish I could talk to them. I wish they'd listen to me. You don't need their permission to pray. You can change that situation much more in prayer than sometimes your own words directly to that person. Because when you pray, God acts. Amen. So we value the practice of prayer. And all of us, I believe, can grow in our devotion to prayer. We pray personally, but also in record, we pray together as the gathered church in meetings. And we do this because we are God first and God reliant in this church. I hear you say, okay, that's fine. I, 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 I hear you. I want, I want to grow in prayer. I believe that that would be a good thing to do. But I do have a question. Why fasting? Why do we have to fast as well? I, I'm okay with the practice of prayer. But my reaction to fasting is a little bit like this. Is this you? <laughs> this avocado wants to be eaten, obviously. Some of us, our reaction to fasting is just a knee-jerk reaction, and it's not a good one. It's just no. Why are we calling you to commit yourself to the practice of fasting this week? Prayer doesn't require fasting, but fasting is like a spiritual exercise that develops spiritual muscle inside of you. You know, it's the start of the year. The gyms are full. You can't get onto the treadmill because there's a queue 50 people long to get onto the treadmill. Boot camps are full. The running clubs are full. People are buzzing, trying to discipline themselves to get into physical shape at this time of year. They're going to give themselves by going to gym, by going to a rugby club, by meeting up with some people. They're giving themselves to a practice to work Physical muscles to develop a physical strength or fitness and health. If you want to build physical muscle, you need to commit yourself to a practice, to a discipline of exercise so that you could get to where you want to get. Similarly, if you want to build spiritual muscle, if you want to have faith that is deep and not shallow, if you want to have a relationship with God that is deep and not shallow, 
it won't happen in a casual, haphazard manner lying on a sofa. There's, there needs to be some intentional commitment and effort. There might need to be some reorganization or reprioritization of your life. And fasting is one of the ways that we can do that. Fasting is a spiritual practice that has been valued throughout the thousands of millennia of following God, even prior to Jesus Christ. Fasting has been a spiritual practice that has always been valued by Christ followers. Fasting is really intentionally saying no to some things, normally food, so that you can say yes to God. In fact, it, it works quite well that all the time that you would be preparing food or eating food, you just convert that. You don't just still sit at the table uh, feeling hungry, but you rather take some time to devote yourself to special time for prayer. So fasting is a spiritual practice. It's telling yourself. It's not really telling God. It's telling yourself. If you think fasting, I'm going to fast this week, and so I'm telling God something, just tell yourself no. Fasting is telling yourself something. You, you're not earning some loyalty points with God by fasting this week. No, what you're telling yourself is, I want to be close to God. I want my spiritual muscle to develop. I want to grow deeper in my relationship with God. I want to grow deeper in my prayer this week. That's why I'm fasting. So I want closeness to God more than I want this food that I'm craving for right now. Friends, fasting's not fun, but it is fruitful for us. I love Eugene Peterson's definition of fasting. He said, fasting is an appetite-denying discipline with a purpose to better concentrate on God. Not to earn any brownie points. You're not going to earn any brownie points with God by fasting. It's an appetite-denying discipline so that you can focus better on God. And so this week, as your elders, we're calling us to pray and fast. Just nudge the person next to you in case they missed this. We're praying and fasting this week on Wednesday and Thursday. Just tell them quickly. Just tell them to put in their diary. We're praying and fasting this week. Just tell them you can be so grateful it's not two weeks or two months, but just two days. Okay. Friends, I want to say let's make them great days. Amen? Let's make them great days. Let's make them days for intentional decision to grow, to give ourselves to the spiritual practice of fasting and praying. I want to pause right now. Why don't you just close your eyes? Even as I've mentioned, you saw that avocado and you, cr and you cried inside with it. As I mentioned the idea of some prayer meetings and fasting, there's some of you who instantly have got a reason why you can't fast or you can't come to the prayer meeting. You don't have to put your hand up, but you know if that thought has gone off in your head. I want you to decide right now, I'm going to overcome that desire. I'm going to overcome that thought because I do want to grow in God. Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone right here, right now, and I pray that the excuses that we make that are really just that, just excuses, 
I want to pray that you would just destroy them, nullify them right now in people's hearts and heads. And I pray, Lord God, that we together would give ourselves to these practices of prayer and fasting, that we do it not just alone, but we do it together. I want to pray, Lord, that you would come amongst us in a remarkable way, even in just two short days. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just remember that fasting without praying is just being hungry, and so I urge you to make a plan to come to at least one of these a day. If you can come to every one of those four prayer meetings, that would be amazing, but I, we have real lives, and we understand the challenges of real life, so we've tried to go to the two extremes of before work and after work, but I want to encourage you, let's not just be fasting and praying by ourselves or as families, but let's actually be getting together. Wednesday night is going to have a particular uh, worship emphasis and a personal prayer emphasis, and Thursday night is going to have a much wider emphasis, and we'll be praying for different things on both those mornings as well. Amen. So that's the first half of this morning is prayer and fasting, and I, I pray that we just have a fantastic time seeking God together. But I, now it's my joy to introduce to you uh, the New City Catechism, which is a new initiative that we're going to be embarking on, which really starts tomorrow morning, uh, and uh, will be going on for 10 weeks in our church. You might say, what, well, what, what is a catechism? I, just say catechism to the person next to you. Catechism. It's like cat, but with a chism, huh? Catechism. There's a, there's a little uh in between. It, you, you get no special marks for being able to say that, and I don't care if you ever say that word again, but it is what we're doing. And uh, you might say, what? A catechism? Well, what is that? Have we become Catholic? Do we sign up for something that I didn't know about? Warren thinks so. Well, firstly, I want to say that catechism... Maybe you've never heard that word before, you never have to say it again, but it is common, not just in the Catholic Church, but actually throughout the history of the church, catechisms have been a way that the church of Jesus Christ has taught believers to go deep in their faith. Reformed churches, Lutheran churches, Methodist churches, Presbyterian churches, for hundreds and hundreds of years, catechisms have been a way that a body of believers have gone deep in their faith. But why? Why are we doing a catechism? Well, God spoke to us as the elders and as the leadership team last year as we're praying for this year and saying, God, what is it that you want us to do? Is there anything specific? And we felt God say this, disciple people deeply. Take people deeper this year. Teach them how to trust me and to listen to me. So that's what we felt God say is that uh, God wanted each one of our lives, our walks with him to go deeper this year. And, and so when we started to think and to pray about, well, what could we do? We, we're going to carry on doing what we do do with Sundays and community groups and reading the Bible. But is there something that we could do together that would really help us to do that? Well, the age-old answer to that, if you want to take people deeper in their faith, is go through a series of questions and answers about faith that helps you to really know what you believe. 
So God wants us to grow deeper this year, and we want to help that to happen. And so if we're going to exercise spiritual muscle, it's not going to happen by accident. Just like with prayer and fasting, you're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to make a time commitment if you're going to grow. You have to have a plan. You have to have a decision that I'm going to commit to that plan, and then you need to follow through with it. And I've been struck in particular reading the Bible for the last uh, couple of months. I've been struck by a certain phrase that keeps on coming up and being repeated all through the New Testament. This is the phrase. There's two of them. One is, we know, and the other one is, you know. From Romans to Revelation, in your Bible, Paul and the other writers of the New Testament epistles say these two phrases 60 times to believers they clearly have some sense that we as believers ought to know something. In fact, they're assuming that we know something. And so I think it's an important thing to ask the question, what do I know? What do I really know? If, if we were to say, hey, Donnie, it's your, it's your turn, you're preaching today. Now, no, no preparation. What's Donnie preaching on? I don't know right now. <laughs> Sorry, Donnie, to make, a, to make a, a thing of you. What do you know? Not what does Gareth know or Rob know or Kanisa know or whoever else. What do you know? I want us to know what we know. Amen? You don't sound so excited. I was really excited about that moment. I want you to know what you know. I want you to not be a Christian that's very wide and very shallow I want you to go deep. I want you to know. Do you know why? Because if you really know God deeply, that is going to protect you from temptation. It's going to protect you. Because when the, when the deceiver comes, you're going to say, no, 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 no. I know these tricks. Because you know something. Because you're streetwise. That's not KFC, okay? You know something. Knowing will keep you when trials come, and they will come, knowing God deeply will be like an anchor for your soul, like we sang. And thirdly, knowing will help you to help others. Not just with nice ideas or I think I'll say what they want to hear, but knowing will help you to help people well. I want to show you a very short video with Tim Keller, who's going to just introduce the catechism and then we'll explain how it's going to work. It's common to say that today we live in a post-truth world. That's not really possible to even say it's a post-truth world is to say something is true about it. And yet it means that people are confused about what the truth is. It has never been more important than it is today that the church ground its people in the truth once delivered to the saints in the Word of God. What's great about a catechism is it's personally interactive. Somebody asks a question, somebody gives an answer. It's almost natural then to talk about it. Catechisms, therefore, are great for a whole congregation to have a common set of questions that have been directed to the scripture. The catechism we produced is a shorter version of 
the truths of God's Word based on the older and longer catechisms. It's also in somewhat more modern and simplified language. We think that means you can do one of these questions and answers every week for a year. The catechism is flexible enough so that you can give it to children in a more simplified version and it's a perfect way for parents to train their children up in the truth of God's Word. My hope and prayer for the New City Catechism would be that uh, people come to love doctrine. The Catechism, I pray, gives you an understanding of the theology of the Word of God. If you've mastered this truth, when you get out into the world, you'll find the truth will equip you, in a sense, to take life as it comes. You'll have certain roots, certain anchors, you might say, in God's truth, and you'll, you'll know what to do when things come at you. You'll actually be able to adapt. People are looking for hope today, but there is no hope without truth, and this is the truth. So, how is it going to work? Well, this is the way it's going to work. We decided to not do the catechism over a whole year, which is the 52 questions, but rather to do it over 10 weeks, and we're going to be doing every week, starting tomorrow, we're going to be doing five, and then there's an answer. So every week, you'll be doing five questions and answers, and the desire, I heard that some guys kind of started last week, Thursday, but I want to encourage us to all reset and to go to question one starting tomorrow because the great advantage there is that we're doing it together. So you could bump into anyone in Rec Road Church and you could have a conversation about the question and the answer, the truth that we're thinking about on that day as we're seeking to go deeper. And so the best way to do this is to prayerfully contemplate these questions and answers. I want to encourage you to, to not just, we live in an age that is so fast, it's so rapid. Uh, you know, when, you, when you're scrolling on Pinterest or Instagram or whatever it is that you scroll on, we, we just consume contents just repeatedly. And I want you to really slow down and I want you to ponder and so every day, I want to encourage you to do these four things. Firstly, you're going to have, I'll explain the phone or the printed version in a moment, but you're going to have a question to ponder. So that's the first thing. Ponder the question. Think about the question. Don't, don't rush on to what the answer is. Just take time. If you could take 10 minutes without clicking, you will be doing amazingly well in going deeper. I want to encourage you to resist the temptation to just get the knowledge, get the information, and rather think. Think about that question. Rephrase the question in your own words. Understand what it means. Ask someone if you need to ask someone, because it's going to be in English. But pause, think about the question, even pray through the question. Get into it. Take your time. Then when you're ready, when you've done that, don't, don't rush. Step one. Get on to step two, which is read the answer to the question. So the catechism has the question, but it also has a model answer. Again, I encourage you to ponder the question, to ponder the answer. Sure, is that answer what I had always thought? Where does that answer come from in Scripture? Now, the answer in the catechism will have one Scripture where that answer comes from, but there will be lots of other 
scriptures that also give that answer. Do you know those? Do you think about them? I want to encourage you to, to even memorize that scripture and to know the answer to that question. So firstly, you ponder the question. Step two, you read the answer and you ponder the answer. On the app, there's going to be a question, there's going to be an answer, then there's going to be a scripture where that answer comes from, and then there's also going to be some devotional commentary that you can read which expands on that answer. You can do all of that in step two. Step three, I want to urge you to get into the practice of prayer. Pray through the truth that's been revealed in this question and this answer. Pray for yourself. Pray for your children. Pray for others. Pray for your church. Pray that we'd go deeper in God. If you did 10 weeks of question, answer, read the Bible, and pray, I would be absolutely, I would be astounded if you could say your life hasn't gone forward and you haven't grown in God. And the fourth step I want to give you is talk. Many of you are very good at this. I want to encourage you to talk to someone else about what you've reflected on, on what you've prayed about, and what you've read about to share with someone else, to, to share that with your children, to share that with your spouse, to share that with a trio if you're in a trio, or your community group. Get on WhatsApp with one another. I want to encourage you. Don't be lazy because Greg got up before you and he did the question and answer. Don't just look at his answers. Don't even read his WhatsApps until you've done your own. I want to encourage you every day to take these four steps, Monday to Friday. So where are the question and answers? Well, how do I get the catechism? Well, the best way, we did tell you to bring your phones today. The best way to follow the, the catechism is to do so on a phone or on a tablet, any smart device that's, that can access the internet and get to the Google Play Store or can get to the Apple uh, Play Store. Uh, there's a free app. That's the best way to do it. The app is a 27 megabyte download, and so we're about to open up four Wi-Fi hotspots for you to be able to download. Just say that app. Download that app, okay? Not, not your movie, not your Netflix for tonight. Okay, just that app. If you could download that app, it's just 27 megs. If you have any data and you don't mind using it on something that's going to be worthwhile for you, then you don't need to connect to our Wi-Fi. You can just do it yourself. Once you've downloaded it, you won't need any data to run the app. That's the good news. So you download it, and then you don't need data anymore. So all that you need is in the app. And in the app is the question, is the answer, is the scripture, is the commentary, and is also a suggested way of praying for that day. So let's give you a chance to download it now. Here are four ways. Better check my phone's on. My phone is on. Here are four different ways that you can connect. Connect to, to, to Wi-Fi or yourself. Search New City Catechism in the Google Play Store or the Apple Play Store. New City Catechism. And you'll get a little icon uh, can we just, uh, actually, we better not take that off. You'll see a little orange icon which looks like the Bible and a heart, and just download that now. Can I ask people to help one another? This is church, okay? If you're technically challenged, just look at someone who doesn't look technically challenged and wink. Just wink at them right now. Okay, we want you to download this now. I want you to get this up and running.
Auntie Gwen's an expert. I helped her before church, so she's got it running. So Auntie Gwen said she would be a tech expert helper today. We don't want you to leave today without the app, because otherwise you're going to be lost tomorrow morning, okay? And if you absolutely have no way, you don't have a phone that's got a screen, and you need a printed version, we can give you a printed version now this morning. But the problem is the printed version doesn't have the commentary. So it's only got the question and answer. So if you want the printed version, if you could put up your hand and Sitabile and her army of helpers will get those to you. Just put your hand up if you want a printed copy. Here's one here, Dave. Just please help one another. Tom, won't, you're looking sorted. Won't you move around and help people? Anyone else is technically sorted? Are you winning? You're not. Is my phone on? Thought I had a phone. I thought I owned a phone. There it is. No one's connected to me. My one works. Can you read that? One, two, three, four, oh, nine, eight, seven, six, five. If you know you sorted, won't you just put up your hands? So I've got some indication of who's sorted. Put your hand up. Okay, so there's lots of people to being sorted still. Hey? Ah, no, I know that there's about 10 sorted. If you've got no space on your phone, it's normally WhatsApp that's the problem. I helped someone last Sunday night, and WhatsApp was the big problem. Huh? All those videos. Okay, what I'm going to do, can I ask for your attention for another one minute, and then we'll close the meeting, and you can stay as long as you want to, to get sorted. But I'm asking you to get sorted before you go, otherwise you're basically opting out. So just give me your attention for one more minute. I want to just say there's a real value in us doing this together. The togetherness of this is probably what's exciting me the most. You know, people go to gym together with others. Hey, if, if you're going to go to gym, often people will go together. You'll meet someone else if you're going to do a program or whatever. People run together. People, people exercise together. Things like boot camps work together. You go with other people I want to encourage you to do this together.
not just to be on your own personal journey. I want to encourage you to keep in step with us. From time to time on the WhatsApp group, we'll remind you what day it is. Because I have no doubt at some time you'll get confused. If you've already started because you got news of what we were doing, I want to encourage you to go back to the start and to do it with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then each Sunday, today is the exception because we had too many things to do. On, on the Sunday, we will preach into some of the themes that will come up in that week, but not in such a way that makes it repetitive for you. And so we're going to be doing that for the next 10 weeks. Can I pray? And then we'll, uh, I'll pray for special help to help you to get connected to Wi-Fi and to download an app. But let's, uh, let's pray. And then if you've got any questions, we would love to help you uh, this morning. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this congregation. Thank you for these people. Thank you for people who are even new this morning. I pray, Lord Jesus, that over these 10 weeks, something remarkable will happen in Rec Road Church. I thank you for our kids who start next week with the New City Catechism in their own way on a Sunday morning. Lord, we pray that we would grow deeper in our love for you and our understanding of who you are and what you've done and what faith looks like in real life. Lord, I pray for every person that we might really find us a fruitful growth time in our lives. We ask that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.